Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food & Wine Pro. I'm your host, Kat Kinsman, Senior Editor at Food & Wine. My guest today, as soon as news started breaking about what was happening across the United States and that so many people were going to be out of work and struggling for basic necessities and uh, just in a, in a state of you know, panic and uncertainty, I knew this person was going to be there helping out because uh, that is just what she does. That is who she is. And when I heard uh, over the last couple of days um, how much it was that she was helping out, I both was incredibly uh, overwhelmed and, and th- thrilled with it and also thought, yeah, that's just who she is and what she does. Um, so without too much more, here is the extraordinary Rachel Ray. Rachel Ray, as soon as uh, all this stuff is coming down, I, you know, I, you know, I've been saying a million times about the Mr. Rogers thing about look to the helpers. And I knew that you were going to be one of the helpers. Oh, I don't uh... even know what to say because my respect for Fred Rogers is so enormous. <laughs> And not only his love of humanity, but his patience with children and his devotion as a musician and a scholar and his appreciation of musicians. And I literally burst into tears when I was watching uh, a Mr. Rogers segment with Ellis Marsalis when Ellis passed. And I just thought... Well, that's as good as it gets. That's as, that's as good as, as we get until we, um, evolve into, uh, something better. There's a stage full of examples of the best a human being can be. And, uh, so thank you. And that is a wild exaggeration. I am in no way a comparison to Fred Rogers. Um, and the e- e- enormous amount of expertise, education, love, patience, humanity, tolerance, um, and just really measured being, state of being that, that he was. I, I just, I'm an enormous geek fan of, of Fred Rogers. So that. You're making me cry already. This is, you're supposed to catch up and have some fun with friends. Oh my God. Come on, man. <laughs> it's uh, the thing is, I have a habit of making my favorite people cry on this show. So, so it's just par for the course. I was actually excited to see that I hadn't realized that B. Smith had been on Mr. Rogers. Oh, like, everyone in the world, it, it, well, with the exception of, of, of me, I might have missed that, that sliver of, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> of of celebrity we're, in life we're all a little couple of years there but <laughs> what what a, i mean i i don't know what to say about him except he overwhelms my heart and that's a perfect example of what i think everyone needs right now is to get a sense of their humanity oh god just yeah. calm it down uh, you know even my husband who is amazing and so tolerant of so many things being trapped in a house with a girl who still needs fresh flowers every week and, and a 15 year old, uh, animal that, you know, uh, had a catastrophic back injury, literally has to physically be carried in and out. 
Um, and so he does a lot of literally the heavy lifting there, but always around the clock, around the clock, we're working and doing and talking. I'm just like, just take a breath and, and, and have a moment and be more patient. And all of that goes back to Fred and his way of teaching people tolerance. This is not the time to be on anything on, on news programs or anything else, unless you're, unless you're Dr. Fauci and you're giving factual information, we should be doing nothing but supporting each other and speaking in the most respectful ways about one another and talking to each other calmly about, could you please think about this this way? Could you please try and do that that way? I mean, this is a pandemic. Like this, this is epic. This is, you know, potentially apocalyptic. And this is the time we're supposed to find that part of us that is the one thing that brings us together. Our humbleness, our ability to feel for one another, trying to attach to some sort of level of empathy. Animals do it far better than us. Of course, they're they're territorial and they like to, you know, (laughs) it depends on which, which, which species we're talking about. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I do know that for sure, domesticated animals uh, have a much better job with this than humans do. Th- even in her pain and her age, my dog cares more about what's going on in the room or if we shout. And John used to shout at the Jets. Now he occasionally <laughs> shouts at me. <laughs> so in the absence You're his favorite sport. Sports, Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, in the absence of sports, the dog is affected immediately like this isn't the time and she's so right (laughs) and when you look at the dog you're like wow you're so much smarter than me and and that's the absolute truth of it no matter how many uh hours of news you watch a day uh or how learned you are on different things the country is still very divided and we're all still yelling and ranting at each other and there's simply no there there you can't get anywhere through that process. You have to get there through education. And the only way you can educate people is to share ideas. You can't share ideas if you can't hear each other. So I, I, I actually zen out on my dog Same. even more than my husband and, and our work product. Although I do zen out being able to work because I am very... Uh, I, I can't rest if I don't work in some way. That doesn't mean I have to be paid for the work, but I have to feel of service or do something with my day. I have to cook and clean and iron and talk and think and move forward. I have to do something of service to myself and the world, or I literally can't sleep. Like I can't just be, and I love to binge and read books. I read real books with actual pages in them. I you can't know, even read right now. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, and I love that. I, I, I love that gift of appreciating that and growing up in a home that taught me to appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But I also have to have a certain amount of physical and mental activity a day that challenges me. I have to work and I have to do some sort of service in my day or I, I legitimately cannot sleep. So I don't know if that's a mental problem, then I don't want anybody to fix it. I like it. And it's the <laughs> yeah. way I was raised. And and I like it. And I'm, I'm I mean, going to stick with it. 
I mean, you and I have talked before. I, I, I think maybe it was you were saying that it was going to be your birthday, and and you were taking, you know, taking care of all these people. You were doing something, and I was like, "You're going to cook, aren't you?" Because you need a job at a party. <laughs> I, I, you know, because I grew up in the restaurant business since before I could have working papers. We would spend every holiday doing something for the Policeman's Benevolent Association or the firefighters or the local um, battered women's shelter, any sort of initiative my mom could find. And absent of that, we would literally just go to the local soup kitchen or the local church. We we often spent our holidays in service. And then yeah. we'd have our holiday later. And <clears throat> that's just the way you're, I, I was raised, you know, the way, the way you grow up, uh, I think it's a little nature and a little nurture and the way you grow up is, is, it does help map who you become, whether it was good or bad. And there's bad stuff that's happened over the decades too, of course, but I focus on how that stitched together the good stuff that happened. I yeah. try and focus on the good and I try and help other people focus on the good. Even when I sat down to write the book when I turned 50. I love that book. Oh, well, it's such a beautiful you. book. Thank you, my friend. It's, it, that was, you know, I started writing it uh, well over a year ago because I released it when I was 50. I'm now 51. But when I sat down to write it, there were certain chapters that folks, including the publisher, said, well, don't you want to address this and this and about negativity in the world? And I'm like, it obviously pointed towards me. And I said, you know what? Mm, that, that, I, there's just no point. You know, not everybody has to like everybody on the playground, but every everyone should realize that everyone else on the playground has a right to be on the playground. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they should be allowed to play too. And if they don't agree with you all the time, so what? You should get over yourself, not over them. But you should be able to make your argument with love and be articulate. And you can make an argument with strength. Absolutely. But you don't have to be cruel to do it. And you don't have to insult people or be short with them or cut them off or stomp on them verbally or physically to do that. And I think that's probably one of the larger goals of being a human. That's what I wonder about more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And I certainly hope that I'm on the right path. Who knows? I could be on the wrong path. You know, but I, I, it, I think that, be, that, that trying to do what feels better to my humanity and, and my core certainly feels better than when I lose my temper or I get too short with anybody, with my husband, my dog, myself, my mother, God forbid, uh, in an interview or an audience or a mm -hmm. guest in my home. Like, it, it, it really feels better if you make it to the end of the day and say, did I take a breath? Did I speak my true opinion? Did I speak with grace? I think grace you can say anything word. with grace. You know, yes. you can say to someone, I disagree with you strongly and here's why, and do it with grace. You don't have to just bust into... Now, understand, I am an Italian. I mean, we're a volatile household. We are. Same. But we're volatile about stupid stuff. When we cuss, it's about, you know, when Isabu ate or, you know, <laughs> uh, who took the garbage out last or 
uh, did you wash your hands for 20 seconds or 10? You know, it's, you know, there's, there's things we can still like stupid fight about. But when it comes to making the larger arguments of quite frankly, what we're all discussing our human existence and how to care for each other, how to move forward and will we get back to normal and what will the new normal be? When we're having larger conversations about literally our common future as humanity, I would think we could graduate from fourth or fifth grade. That's all I'm saying. You know, what I'm seeing is when, when I have seen people approach in an aggressive way and whatever, I try to talk with them and they might yell back at me for a minute, like, don't patronize me or whatever. I had an exchange online like that recently. And I realized uh, Douglas and I call this fear biting. The people are operating out of a place of absolute terror and they're not, they're not taking a breath and they've been operating out of, out of, you know, physical and emotional pain and it's making them lash out. But if you can bring them to a place of normalcy, it tends to close down. And, you know, I'm thinking all this, the stuff that you were saying, is so valid and so real. And I think a lot of people have been fundamentally afraid about having enough food. And I want to talk about what you are doing with that, because, you know, we get back to that, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And if you don't have a roof over your head and food in your stomach, I I want to go back to that about fear too. Yeah. I think that fear, that's what we're all fighting in life is all the things we're afraid of. And that's when we panic and that's when we lash out and that's when we yell. But we're not talking enough about just general frustration. Yeah, yeah. Just trying to get whether you're rich or poor, where you live, whether you're sitting out in the Hamptons writing this out, you know, or you're in a, a, a neighborhood that is literally at food risk because there's simply no one providing food in their community at a price they can afford. Everyone is not only dealing with their base fears, but just general frustration. Anything you try and do online, I I live in the middle of the Adirondacks. I'm trying to do television shows from here and spread cheer (laughs) and do your podcast, which I was late for, which I'm grossly sorry for. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, You know, but we have to, we have to upgrade our skill level just to be able to do that and try and communicate with people and visit with people and share with people because we have no, we have no expertise in it whatsoever. Like this, this is where I grew up. This is our, our treehouse, our hideout. This is like, we never knew any of these skills. So no matter who you are or where you live, everyone is dealing with just frustration. You can't stand on a line. How do you stand on a line for something, including voting Without being six feet away from someone, how do you control someone else at a grocery store, even if you go in the middle of the night, from coming within six feet of you and coughing on you and not wearing a mask? Like, you, you can't control them or that situation. So there's this added level. And even if you order everything online, John sprays paper boxes. And I read that the virus can live 10 hours on a box. He read mm-hmm. that it can live 10 days on a box. So then you fight over how much you cleaned the box before you open the box to bring the stuff in the house that you needed that you were lucky enough to find online. <clears throat> so th- there's another layer on top of fear that's just general pissed off frustration. 
Absolutely. Like, I am so tired of just having to jump through all of these hoops to go about my day. Well, you know what? Get over it. <laughs> Everyone we have is to dealing have with it. Some quality of existence. And you do have to fight so, and I mean fight. It is a mm -hmm. fight. It is a mental fight every single day to find positivity, found mm -hmm. moments of, well, I wouldn't have had this moment had I not been home today. I wouldn't mm -hmm. have noticed this one thing about my day or this one kindness that someone gave me over a telephone or delivery person or your animal, your mother-in-law that you've always fought with, but she said something especially beautiful the last time you spoke with her or delivered her a meal. You have to look for those moments. And the only way those moments happen is if you put some of them into the world to begin with. It yeah. has to start with you. Every single human being, and I've said this for years, way before COVID, because I <laughs> live it and I know it. Every single person is a pebble. And every pebble skips at least once on the water. Everything you throw out there will make one ripple and it will come back, but you have to be paying attention. You have to catch that wave no matter how small it is. And that has always been my belief. Not now, forever, period. My entire adult thinking life, that has been my belief because that's the people that raised me. That's, that's everything about me and everything about the brand everything about everything I do, everything about every person that I work with. The number one thing in job interviews has nothing to do with your CV. It's about, uh, or, you know, your, your, your big long list of your accomplishments. It's about who you are. How much humanity are you in tune to? Because that's all we're trying to do is pay something forward. A person of service is born to service. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's part of a cycle of karma or <laughs> some sort of big, you know, multiple religion access to things. I say my prayers every day. I say them with my 15 year old dog on the floor, holding her face, yeah, trying to help her battle her illnesses. I don't know where they go to in the universe. I hope they go to a benevolent force that's got our back, but I don't know that, but it makes me feel good because I'm communing with her and I'm communing with my environment and I'm being noteful of what we're grateful for every day. And I think that that's my headspace and always has been because I was raised by people that cared about people more than things or money. It's, I mean, that it's was so, a bit of a rant. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I think, I think it's so important to remember this because like right now, I mean, you know, I do a lot of work with, uh, people in who work in restaurants who are struggling with mental health issues. And, you know, I, I'm in all these Facebook groups and I run one of them and I'm seeing so many people in a state of despair because these are people who service is their life. They work in restaurants front and back of house and right now, and they have given up everything in their life to do this and they don't have that right now. And so many of them are despairing because they don't see a life outside of their, their place right now. And, and a lot of them are saying like, 
I don't know what else is out there. What is the point? And, and they're thwarted what they feel like they're thwarted in their service. And they're worried about putting food on, you know, out for their family, for themselves. They're worried about their rent and all of this. And they need to hear, you know, the, the positive uh, things that their service still, it still matters. There's still going to be a place for it. They're, they're still going to be able to do that. They're still the same person. We're all still the same people. There is nothing I can say about the destruction that's happening right now that can fix that. No. It is real and they are feeling it and they have every single right in the world to. Yeah. And I am thrilled <clears throat> that the first initiative <clears throat> uh, passed to help small business people. I don't feel that we even have, now that we're into the double digits of millions of people that are unemployed and so many of them being in the restaurant and food and beverage industry, mm -hmm. of course, I don't know that there's a quick fix. I am, I literally pray, contemplate, hope every day that the wheels turn faster than slower that people don't manipulate the money in the wrong way and give it to corporations rather than to small businesses and the people that are in need. But I can tell you, since the day we started our brand, which is uh, right after we started the show, so over, well That's over 10 small. years ago, yeah, we have committed the money. John and I got married very late in life, 37, 38 years old. We never had children. I was starting a television show. John was very busy as a lawyer, musician, touring with his band when he wasn't, uh, you know, making his deals, whatever. We, we, we have no way to pay it forward with people that we gifted to the world, you know? Same. So we <laughs> decided when I started drawing pots on paper, actually it was a bar napkin, started drawing <laughs> pots on Bless bar napkins, uh, we decided that Whatever our brand did from day one, we needed to use it to also not just keep us employed, but to be a, a, a pay it forward system. So we wouldn't have to ask people for donations. We would simply use the business to collect money and use that as the model for anything we would do the, the, for however short or long lived the, the level of success would be as long as I was in some sort of public purview. And I think that that is a great model. The one or two times we threw events, the event cost so much, we ended up giving half of it back to payment of the event and half of it to the thing. Like it just doesn't make sense. So just make less money and do more good, <laughs> you know, was always our plan. I but love that. One model to build the next model, we started with Yamo, which, which was initially an initiative to put a third of the money into lobbying for better and year-round school food nutrition or replacement of meals when school is not in session for children that are at risk, period. And then a third of the funds into um, our partners at National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation to help fund school uh children, public school children, into any sort of secondary education they'd like to go to because we no longer have BOCES programs in oh, our public high schools. Yes. That was right. Amazing. We used to be able to leave high school and get a job. You used to be able to get home ec economics, you know, home economics, shop class, jewelry design, 
and you could join BOCES. You could be trained as a linesman to be a cook in a restaurant or whatever. And with your regular education, when I went to high school, that's because of my age, that went away a long time ago when we just went to standardized testing. There are very few people left in America. We highlight them on our show and whenever we can find one that teach any of those life skills, let alone skills that could get you a job today. So we wanted a third of our funds to be dedicated to scholarship program. And we provided that through um, National Restaurant Association. Then there was the third portion of whatever we raised with the monies we dedicated from our brand. We would just spend that in relief in the food banks in the cities and the communities where it was needed. And we would vet that so it could be measured. Yeah. How many people are actually being fed? Where are they being fed? Was the money put to the right use? We can't build an entire network. We have to use networks that are already there. That was the first model. That was Yummo. Then it evolved into the model for animals because I have pipples. I don't have humans. You know, I've rescued mm-hmm. animals. And my mother has saved like, gosh, probably 50 or more um Cats, skunks, injured hedgehogs, blind raccoons, like on and on. You know, I come from a family that literally brings home injured everything. The nurses hit back to health and feeds it. So we used our, our, our model for business for what we were doing for Yummo to raise money for animals. Now we have the Rachel Ray Foundation and Yamo. They both coexist very beautifully in the world. And that's why this week we were able to donate $4 million. But that is the tiniest drop in the most giant bucket. So I don't want to log that too much. Like we, but we've turned into a pandemic and a disaster relief organization over the last two years. Um, we had to figure out how to help people in Australia because all of our money is supposed to be sent, spent in America domestically. So we had to find domestic partners that would help us help Australia. But everything we do has to be measured and never overlap. Like, of course, Feeding America and Share Our Strength, No Kick Hungry are all about feeding people mm-hmm. and kids and the elderly. But we look at their initiatives and we say, okay, can you dedicate this money? to helping people with poor infrastructure in rural areas specifically to find food for their kids. And then we ask our other partner, can you dedicate our money specifically to feeding seniors in underserved communities? Mm -hmm. And that's how we try and build the map. We like to give all of our money with very pinpoint specific measurable criteria that say, this is where this needs to go. This is where this needs to go. And sometimes even by city, we, we work with World Central Kitchen and, and I think a Less gift to the planet and, 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 and a divine entity. Like if ever <laughs> there was a prophet, it's Jose Andres, but we work with, um, uh, them and we, this, this particular week, that little bit of funding for World Central Kitchen is is supposed to get Chicago, uh, help them get Chicago up and running. But we have their backs and they have ours all over the place. And then last night, 
literally just just now within the last uh, 12, 14 hours, our, our partners and dear friends at Nutrish, and I've eaten all my own dog and cat food. Everybody knows this. It's, it's made to great human standards. They have now matched our $4 million with 4 million additional meals for oh, animals God, in no. need because all of these people are showing up and it, it, it brings you to tears. People are showing up and saying, this is from my family. Do you have anything I can feed my animals? Oh my God. And yeah. that's why the shelters are getting overwhelmed. Yeah. Anyway, it's back to, wait, back to restaurant workers. We, we will come back, but it's not going to be easy. And it's a lie if you think everything's going to be open <laughs> by May, yeah. in my opinion. I think that we all need to be in for the long haul. And that's why I applaud the National Restaurant Association, uh, EF, the Educational Foundation, because they started the employee relief efforts. Not everybody's going to be up at the same time. I hope as many folks as are safe to get up and running are. But there, you know, there's going to be a lull there. And we all have to care about funds like that. And even if you can give $5, yeah, these are the folks that need it because they're so scared for their own kids and their own families. And they've given their whole lives to making us happy and celebrating largely our good moments or nursing us back from our bad, you mm -hmm. know? That's and where we go to hide out and to celebrate. And to be normal, just to be normal. Right. And there's yeah. another program I want to highlight, if it's please. okay, Kat. Can, oh, okay. Hunger please. Free America is working in um, so many ways. They're ramping up their hunger hotline for the USDA. They're trying to increase SNAP and WIC, of course, in New York City. Um, and there's one, where is it? Oh, God. Rethink, Rethink Food NYC. Wow, this is special. They are funding up to 30 restaurants in New York City to put them back afloat or keep wow. them afloat, but to become food distribution arms of Rethink so the New Yorkers that need them can get meals. And that is just huge. Oh, Rethink Food. And, and they ask for donations as little as $5, you know, like there's so many of these stories and they're also putting up 10 food trucks all over the city. There's so many people tirelessly working in all 50 States truly to help. And we're trying to buttress it as best we can and give the right amounts. But again, ours is such a tiny you know, it sounds big, but it's not like the, the need is so many billions and trillions of dollars. It's it's mind blowing. We we all have to pull together now. If you can order from local places and get your food safely, support them. If you cannot afford anything and you need a network to find help, share our strength is there for you and feeding America is there for you. And they are building whole networks. There's already an app on how to find meals in every major community. And we're working on the secondary communities, like people that don't have a, a great access, just like me until a couple of days ago, don't have great telephone access. 
my husband just had to hook me up through some contraction I've never seen in my house ever <laughs> so that I could speak to you. I mean, I appreciate it. or I would have to stand in the woods to try and find the reception for you. So share our strength, no kid hungry and feeding America. God bless them for everything they're doing to pressure for more snap and to help us find meals. But they're making not only a hotline, I know that Share Our Strength is going to put up a national map and they add to it every day. A huge giant map. So you can just like source it with your address and your zip code and find the food we're trying to help get out there. Uh, I saw Lady Gaga on today on, on the, on Morning Joe and she was talking about the huge global initiative to, to move people that can to help in in small or big ways and she was talking with major major corporations but everybody can do something you know everyone can do some small thing but the the thing to do most is to not lose faith like we have to believe in each other we have to listen to each other we have to try absolutely at the core of everything to keep some sort of faith in ourselves and in something larger than ourselves. And I think people also have to be uh, not afraid to ask for help. And I know people who work in restaurants are terrible at asking for help. And they're finally in a position where, you know, everybody has to, and nobody can be ashamed of needing, if they're the person who needs the help of reaching out to, to somewhere. I mean, if there's, there's no shame in it. Everybody is in this together right now. You know, I've been saying for years, years since the last, you know, semi-depression that we had or the semi-recession or the collapse of this or that, there is no face to hunger. There is no no face to need. It can always be you. And one day it will be your neighbor or someone in your family or someone you know. It is the truth. We've been told it since we were kids from one source or another. It's the truth. There is no face and there is no shame to needing each other. That's supposed to be the ultimate purpose of politics, by the way, and having politicians and having people of service from restaurants to our government uh, in every branch and arm. The whole thing is supposed to be about protecting and supporting each other and admitting to one another when we need and are in need. And I have an equal amount of conversations with my friends that are restaurateurs Mm -hmm. and their heartbreak and saying goodbye to friends that feel like family members, putting them on furlough. Nobody wants to call it a layoff or firing or closing down, nothing. Nothing catastrophic. Everybody's trying to just even find a word for it. Like there isn't even a word for what's going on. (laughs) No. They're like, I had to fire. I can't say fire. I love this person. They've been a part of my family for 23 years. I I, I could never fire them. I'm like, we need new words for what we're going through, you know? And it's, they're hurting too. They're having to ask for business loans and break down their own uh, savings to keep as much as they can going for takeout or delivery or just to make, make sure that the family is safe and cared for. You know, it's every single human is going through this. There is no face and there is no shame. 
every single person is going through this. And every yeah. politician is too. And by the way, they're supposed to be people of service. They are public <laughs> servants. They are supposed to be elected servants of the voice of the people, of all of the people that were kicked out from every other country on the planet. That's who we are. And these are the people that we were supposed to elect to represent the people that were literally kicked out, criminals, not wanted for whatever reason. I, 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 there, there is no elite in, in my America. There is one America, period. And we are all supposed to be of service to each other. I want to make all of the politicians have to go and work in restaurants after this and get some of the amazing restaurant leaders to go lead the government. And <laughs> I think we'd be in You know what? A... I, I don't think that's a funny idea at all. I don't even know why I laugh other than oh, being nervous for about it. Oh, I was my... a little nervous about it, but now I'm thinking about it. I think that's a great idea. I would love Danny Meyer <laughs> to be in some higher uh, uh, archy of, of government right now. I think I he's to... a very fair and smart man who's pretty terrific at building communities. Uh, and, and I live in his community when I am in, uh, in Manhattanite. I live in, in Danny Meyerville, you know? <laughs> uh, I, I think that's not a bad idea. Michael Schlau, Kenny Oranger. I know a lot of fine restaurant people that would really be terrific in government, I think, with their David whole heart and love. And maybe it would be kind of interesting to see a few of our Congress people, maybe even a couple senators, kind of break it down at the dish machine. My first job was dish machine operator. I'd kind of <laughs> like to see a couple people hit the DMO. I, I, I'd be excited about that. I'd be kind of thrilled with that. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing like Mason Hereford in uh, New Orleans is calling himself a hobby lobbyist because he's, <laughs> you know, his, his restaurants are, you know, having to make some tough decisions right now. But he's out there talking to people. Hugh Atchison is. I'm um, thinking Davida Davidson uh, out of Detroit would be an incredible person to uh, be called. You know, we director. just need people to speak up for one another. And I love that there are people within our industry, within every industry quite frankly, all across the board, all the way up the ladder. There are really good corporate bosses here too that are are speaking up and saying, hey, we need to do the right thing here and we need to take care of each other and we need to make sure that the money that is being funded by all of us, the money that's being taken from the whole country is equally represented as fairly as possible to the whole country. And you only do that if you're squeaky. You know, the squeaky wheel is going to get the grease. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the number of voices and the larger the chorus can become, the, the, the stronger the attention will be to that. How many voices can we get to say, let's just be fair and be lovely to each other and in calm voices, figure out how to do this in the most fair, an even way possible and take care of each other. Your secretary of state. I've decided that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd be so much better off. Well, if I'm secretary of state, you appointed me. That means what? Your prez? <laughs> and I'm, okay, let's I, do it, I, you girl. Know, you let's know go. what? I feel, 
like, I was trying to think, what do I want to do? And I was like, health and human services, like somewhere in there. Like, I just want to be useful. And well, the other thing I wanted to touch on here too is, you know, I, I, I think this is a thing that everybody's sort of forgetting to do where they feel sheepish about doing. What are you doing to take care of yourself during all of this? Work. I feel best when I work. And I made the list. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, I made the list. I'm going to go back to finishing my studies of Danish, trying to get fluent in Italian. Let's finally conquer the drum kit in John's studio and become a badass percussionist. Uh, he bought me a paint set oh. uh, because I love doing food doodles and I use paint pens. So why not learn how to become a proper painter with apps and books and an easel and every kit that there is? And I haven't been able to crack one of those things yet because we're working around the clock trying to figure out how to project from this house some light, some love, some possibilities, and some really tiny solutions to everyday life for folks that make it fun. Five-minute Passover breakdown, five-minute Easter breakdown on, you know, IGTV. Or the, you know, uh, three ways to use canned tuna from a TV show. I mean, my only audience is a 15-year-old pitbull. But quite frankly, <laughs> we're working so hard around the clock. I haven't gotten to do any of those things. I will tell you that those found moments happen. I've never been a person of balance, so it's not going to happen now. Just because the world is in this disarray, it doesn't change who I am as a human. And I have a propensity to just work myself to death or I can't sleep. Like that's who I am. So I, that may be procrastination or I, I don't know, all kinds of neuroses that people can <laughs> sofa, I, sofa I may have pinpoint. I but, may have written a book on the subject. So yeah. <laughs> oh, and that was quite a good book, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. But like I called the inner and accountant, it, that, it that part about anxiety. Quite, quite good. I appreciate Quite that. Good. But and I, since I, I've been anxiety since birth, <laughs> this is my natural state, actually. I, I call it the inner accountant that makes you, it makes me think like, before I can go to bed, how much have I accomplished for humanity? Exactly. What did I do? <laughs> oh, you're so, you're so it. But to, somebody tweeted yesterday that if at the end of this, you say what I achieved is I kept myself and my dog alive. That's good enough. Of course it is. That's yeah. a miracle. I, well, uh, and I, it, it, can you imagine? I, uh, my anxiety is 15 times more because my dog is 15 and oh, she's suffering from, oh. you know, 14 different ailments. I can't even close my eyes without having nightmares about what happens if my dog goes into crisis during this yeah. and I'm in the middle of the Adirondack Mountains. It's the same as caring for a human and that may sound insulting to people that are I get it. just suffering with people issues right now but I, I i i love this entity as much as i could love a human and it, it i i can't help but have nightmares about my 85 year old mother and my dog yeah. like yeah. what happens if somebody goes into crisis meanwhile my mother could kick my ass from here to chicago and back she's doing great <laughs> <laughs> but my, you know, my dog, I, I worry every night. It, it, can we make it through this night? Please, please, please let her keep going here and have a good day tomorrow. You know, 
Yeah. Because I just, you know, and, and so many families are like that right now. Uh, what do you do? I, all you can do is think and hope and have faith and move forward. And I think that that's the thing that both you and I are talking about. You have yeah. to move forward. You have to do something every day. And that isn't a sickness. Moving forward cannot be a sickness. You know, we have to move forward. There, there is no alternative to that. So we have to move forward with our best selves. And in order to do that, you have to be prepared. So you have to give some thought to that. Yeah. I think this is a perfect place to leave it. And like, I just, I'm so grateful for you. I really truly am. And what you put into the world, it just, you know, it, I'm grateful for your time. And just thank you for doing all the stuff that you're doing. You've been doing it for a long time yourself, my friend. Thank you so much to my guest today, Rachel Ray. We'll include the links to uh, Rachel Ray Foundation and nutrition, just anywhere that um, people can, you know, get in there and spread the word and, and help out because really this is, this is affecting everyone and it's going to take everybody's help and, you know, everybody is, I don't care who you are, you're going through it right now. And you have to, as, as Rachel said, look for those moments of joy that, that still occur, those little moments throughout the day that remind you of who you are and why you do the things that you do. And that might be really difficult right now while you are at home and possibly, you know, not around other people or around a whole lot of people at once. <laughs> it, uh, you know, very, people's situations vary wildly, but we, you know, everybody has, has different circumstances that they're currently experiencing, but no one is alone in the collective uh, struggle and grief that we are all going through. And I am grateful for the people who show up as, as helpers and the people who are there to remind us, um, even if in our low moments, that, you know, we're, we're still all connected and we have a both a responsibility and opportunity to help out uh, wherever we can. It's just so important to remember that right now. So thank you so much to Rachel and also to our producers, Jennifer Martnick, Hallie Tarpley, Margot Gotthelp, and our uh, photo editor, Sarah Crowder, could not do this without you. Everybody is operating from their apartments and, uh, you know, still really coming together to work on this. And I deeply, deeply appreciate it. Um, so this is part of Food & Wine Pro, as I mentioned at the top, which is uh, part of Food & Wine website and in print. And uh, I think you're going to be seeing more and more of it in person, where we talk about what's going on in the industry and share the latest news, some words of wisdom from our associate uh, food editor, Kelsey Youngman, who is a certified meditation instructor, um, she helps us out with the, the Food & Wine Pro newsletter written by uh, Hunter Lewis, our editor-in-chief, and bolstered up by Oset Babur, who is our associate restaurant editor. And she's just incredible. Can't wait to see all of these people's faces again. Um, if you subscribe to the newsletter, we'll keep you up to date on everything that is happening. Maybe try to put a little bit of hope in your inbox each week. And it's just another great way to feel connected. So if you go to foodandwine.com slash FWPro, you'll find links to sign up for that newsletter. 
And if you are listening to this podcast and maybe you want to share it with somebody, it really, really helps if you share the link with people or if wherever you get your podcast, if you can rate and review us, leave us those stars, leave us your words. It helps us rise up in that mysterious algorithm and helps other people find this and lets us keep uh, doing this. And honestly, I love doing this podcast and it's something that keeps me um, connected and hopeful these days. I don't know who all is listening out there, but hopefully it's of some use to you. And, you know, maybe in this moment together, we can just you know, relax our, our face and jaw muscles, drop our shoulders and, you know, just try to give ourselves a break for a minute. Um, this is going to be a long struggle. And the best thing that we can do is be our best selves for it and maybe get some rest and find those moments of joy where we can. The most important thing, as always, Take good care of yourself until the next time.